Blog Talk Radio. PG or even an R-rated show. So, if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this may not be the show for you. But that's why you tune in. Anyway, Desperate Housewives is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. She is having her merry, merry month of Morrison, but it's almost over. So if you're going to get those limited edition candles, now is the time. There's only a few days left. Go to her social media page on Facebook for the direct link to the social media sale. That's www.wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. We're the hour. Yay! One of my favorite human beings, the amazing Amy Blackthorn. Hi, my love. Oh, Oh, my goodness. You have the best intros ever. <laughs> I'm a goober. I know it. And I'm not ashamed of it, which is probably and we love you good, but we give a shit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been mighty prolific, my dear, during the pandemic. You already knocked out a couple of books. I know you got a couple more going on. What's happening with you? Talk to me. <laughs> So uh, last year I wrote, I wrote two books and I started a novel. And so I promised my, my therapist, honestly, that I'd take a little bit of a break. So I have been doing fun projects that don't have deadlines uh, for my own yeah. sanity. So I have been working on the novel again. And actually I've been yeah. spending the, the refresh time, saving, sort of giving my brain a break by uh, working on an Oracle deck. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> so wow. when Watson's Botanical Magic was first proposed, it was going to be a full-color encyclopedia with glossy pages and all this gorgeousness. But it didn't work out that way uh, once it came time to print. So I had I spent a year at uh, botanical gardens all over the country and uh, with this beautiful, beautiful new lens and taking incredible shots of plants and flowers that were talked about in botanical magic um, so that people could identify them in the wild. And so when it didn't happen, when the, we went to the black and white that you see before you, those mm-hmm. pictures have just languished in a file on my computer for five years. And so I really want them to get out and see the light of day. So I've been using them as reference and turning them into watercolors that will list out the element associated with that plant, the, the some of the magic that's used to pull that plant. And so it's not only an oracle deck to help you connect with the spirits of those plants, but it works as a flashcard system, and it works as um, a tool for building your spell work. So you can flip through the cards, and you're looking for protection magic, and you can just pull out the cards that say protection on them and sort of see if you resonate with any of the plants that are presented to you and work on creating that magical space for yourself. So I'm a, I'm a visual thinker. You know, even if I'm doing math, if I'm doing, I have to see it to be able to figure out what it's supposed to look like. So the idea of a, an Oracle deck that you can use for spell writing is fantastic. No doubt. Not only that, but I, I kind of feel like this happened for a reason and this actually is a much better idea than even the original plan because I think there's a certain amount of freedom when you can when you're doing cards as opposed to doing a book. I I would think that for what you're trying to express with these cards, a book might even be a little bit limiting because there's only so much space. Like you said, it would would have been an encyclopedia. Not that there's anything wrong with that, 
But sometimes you want to carry cards with you and identify exactly. things in the wild. And I think that the idea of a deck of cards to put in my purse as opposed to, like, having to buy a book a backpack just to carry the book around, yeah, the cards <laughs> kind of appeal. You know? yeah, especially with the Although size you, of um, the size a, of magic. Yeah, well, for you, I would carry a book bag, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned, you, you casually mentioned while we were talking, you know, initially about your therapist and that you had, you know, dedicated to not doing things that would necessarily beat you up as far as deadlines go. I identify with this so much because this has been this year has been the most stressful part of the pandemic for me because I've gone through the most changes and I've had to deal with the most you know crazy shit in my life and this whole idea of you know just saying that we're in therapy I'm on medication now and it's like so freeing to be able to talk about it because there you know I come from a world where you know the adults in my life definitely needed medication and therapy, but it wasn't something discussed back then. So the fact that we can talk about it so openly is just such a relief. It really really is. It really is. I never thought I'd live in a world that was like, oh, I'm in therapy, you're in therapy? Cool. What what do you you got going on? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's kind of awesome. But anyway, no, I just, I love the fact that certain stigmas are being removed. Unfortunately, a fucking world is trying to install new ones, like taking away Roe v. Wade. Don't even get me started. I'm going to lose my shit at any moment. Let's talk about something <laughs> pleasant. Let's talk about Blackthorn's Botanical Wellness. Yes. <laughs> tell, me about the, tell me about the book. Tell me how the book came into being. Tell me, tell me if this was something planned pre-pandemic. And I know you're working on a novel now, but I also know you. And I also know something else <laughs> is coming behind that. So, <laughs> Sing, your turn. <laughs> so Botanical Wellness uh, was actually a really neat outgrowth of some of the, the – it wasn't, it, it wasn't pre-pandemic, but it was definitely during the height of it. A lot of people were turning, turning out material talking about self-care and the need for it and how important it is, not just for our mental health, but for our physical health. And so all of these books were coming out and they were talking about, you know, just, just relax and take care of yourself and, and everything will be fine. And it's, it's not, you know, there's, there's been, goodness, probably 20 different books on magical self-care put out in the last three years, I'd say. Uh, yeah. But none of them talk about chronic illness, chronic pain, and for the people who this is their daily life, this is this is our daily yeah. existence. It hurts yeah. to see so many people all of a sudden now that people have gone to working from home. Like we have to, we've wanted this for decades to be able to do work from home that is still contributing. I would love to have had a job when I was in a wheelchair, but I didn't have the transportation and the means to get anywhere either with the wheelchair or platform crutches. It's, yeah. it's a lot to see people making exceptions, making strides that could have been there the whole time. So, um, and when it comes to, to pagans, especially, if it was as easy as having a glass of meat and a bubble bath, we'd have done that already. So I really needed yeah. to find a way to bring out this, not just the idea, but the permission or people to actually take care of themselves in a way that we have been spending all of our time trying to do that for everyone else. And we have to get to the point yeah. where we can put ourselves first, not in a selfish way, but in a, Hey, I got to put my own mask on before I help you with yours. That, that need to be present and be accounted for. So I, I talk about, you know, creating potions as, you know, daily care tasks. Uh, there's a difference between, self-care and those daily care tasks that everyone has, like showering. You, don't, you shouldn't have to earn time to shower for yourself. It's one thing if you don't have the energy or the time or the, the mental fortitude to put yourself in the water <laughs> that day, but you, you don't have to earn that. And there's a part of that that comes along with 
living this reality day in and day out, and that's the fear of wellness, that someone who is uh, traditionally well wouldn't understand. Why, why would anybody feel wary about being well and happy and healthy? Because it doesn't last for us. It doesn't extend. So you're constantly doing math. Okay, well, if I go to the store today, um, I, can, I can save up a little bit of energy to cook dinner, but if I go to the mall to pick up errands over there, everything's so spread apart, that's going to use up more of my energy allotment for it. Um, I, was like, I was at the grocery store, oh, probably last week, and I ran into the ladies' room, and I came back, and a young couple had taken my cart, put all my stuff on the shelf, and then took my cart and left. They were, they were walking wow. away with it as they came out of the restroom. And I'm like, uh, what, what exactly? I don't know what you're talking about. This is my cart. Really, you can see my, wow. <laughs> my groceries are on the shelf here in the middle of the produce aisle. Um, wow. The energy it took to walk from the restroom all the way out front and all the way back to gather up my, my materials, that was the last bit of energy mm-hmm. I had for shopping that day. So people... It's, it's very hard for them to put themselves in someone else's shoes. But if we can demonstrate to them, like, hey, this is, this is real things that we're dealing with, and that wellness only lasts but so long. So if I want to go to the Scottish Games this weekend on Saturday, that means that I'm going to be in a coma on Sunday. You've got to do that math all day long. So this, is, this gives us Boy, tools yeah. to live our best life, um, creating energetic tools, useful with your magical tools to create and do things like make those doctor's appointments and find ways to actually care for yourself that are regenerative and not extractive, um, mm. which we'll talk about mm. botanical relationships with our wellness, uh, creating the power of nature and talking to those allies. We've spent a lot of time talking about plants as their own individual allies. We're going to craft care mm-hmm. schedules to make sure that we're strengthening and improve our wellness. So there's a, a really focused book that actually has a little bit more advanced material than uh, some of my other books, but it's still beginner accessible. Cool. Yeah, you know, talk about doctor's appointments. There was a time in my life where I could go for like three or four appointments in one day and still be all right. Mm-hmm. Now I'm Face them out, kiddo. I got this doctor on this day, and this doctor on this day, and this doctor on this, and a haircut on that day. Oh, you don't know. I have had to separate all of it out because I just don't have the energy. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I don't have any energy. I've, you know, been dealing with a lot of emotional shit since the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. not to mention the pandemic. Not to mention, you know, trying to live a somewhat normal life under very abnormal circumstances as far as, you know, like I work with people who not only don't believe in vaccinations, they don't believe in masks either. So I'm still dealing with that aspect. Now, fortunately, you know, and you talked about this earlier, the ability to work from home and how it's not really a luxury. It's, it's, for some people, it's a serious necessity And employers have been very resistant to it, even under pandemics, you know, the the cover of of a pandemic. Some employers have been still having a real struggle with this. Um, My employer, for example, I'm allowed to work from home a certain number of days per week because I asked, and there's a whole bunch of other reasons that I'm not going to go into, but... Mm -hmm. Um, because I've afforded that luxury, I am, you know, I get a lot of shit for thinking I'm special. I don't think I'm special. I think I have special circumstances. You know, I had a family, a loved one almost die a few months ago, and I'm not as young as I used to be. So anybody who sees me in person will understand. Anyway, um, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the companies, and I wanted your opinion on this, a lot of the companies that did or have allowed folks to work from home on whatever kind of limited basis are now trying to walk all of that back, I'm seeing. In a lot of companies, they're all like, oh, no, no, well, okay, the pandemic's over. No, fucker, it's not over. So, you know, in light of the fact that the pandemic is not over, 
um, and that new and better shit's going to keep popping up, I think. That's my opinion. I don't Monkey have pot. a medical degree. But well, I mean, whatever it is, however long it lasts, however it has to be treated. Um, and I understand the concept of, listen, we're, we're, adjust- we're very adjustable. Humans are very good at adapting. Um, but they're trying to walk it back to make everybody come back into their offices. And I just wanted to know, you know, your feelings about that and if you had any ideas on how folks could protect themselves when something that they've needed the whole time anyway is now they're trying to take that away as well. It's so ridiculous because the the overarching problem is that middle management usually uh, feels their control is slipping away. And if people aren't in an office where they can be stared at, that work won't get done, that employees will goof off. Well, honestly, what they don't understand is that's already happening. You cannot be productive mm-hmm. for eight hours in a row. You, you can't. Your brain will not right. let you. You you go mad. Right. Uh, so the, mm-hmm. the goofing off that they think is happening at home is actually happening in the office. People take 10-minute walks to the water cooler every hour and talk with seven people on the way back to their desk. So they look like that work is getting done, and it's not, because we cannot be this productive all the time. And so mm-hmm. with middle management feeling that they are losing control, they're trying to rein it in and, and clutch it really tightly, which is leading to more people exiting that company. The harder you try and hold on right. to whatever it is, if it's people, work, relationships, the harder you try to hold on to something, the easier it is for them to say, you know what, I'm out. This is not worth it. Um, we feel like oh, yeah. we're showing them that, you know, we're, we care or that we're, we're worth X, Y, and Z, but they don't care, <laughs> frankly. So if it was up to us, we can say, look, I'm, this is my productivity. My productivity has gotten better, not worse over the year, two years, yep. whatever. We have yep. those metrics to prove our point, but there's never going to be enough of a point that they're going to agree with us because – they cannot control what they cannot reach. So protecting yourself, especially in the office, what I really love is if you can get away with this, is one of those, those funny things that it's a kind of hit or miss. Uh, protective oils are really handy to have on hand. If you can't diffuse an oil, you're, um, perhaps you have a sensory office or people are a little leery of having water near electronics, you can actually make a very small diffuser that will uh, keep your area as clean as it can, and you're just putting essential oils and salt. Uh, we're using that as a base mm-hmm. to distribute, and it'll evaporate quite slowly over time and scent yeah. uh, your area specifically without leading to the whole office smelling like Angelica, for instance. Um, <laughs> Angelica is so protective that its Latin name is Angelica Archangelicus, uh, the plant supposedly sprung up from the place where the Archangel Michael touched down his foot on the earth. So wow, the flower itself, uh, a, a monk dreamed about it during the plague and said, oh, hey, like, I can cure the plague with this flower. You know, the, the angel came to him in a dream. And, you know, uh, it actually worked. Uh, I really like working with it as a diffused property because uh, even diluted, it can be very, very photosensitive. You can give yourself chemical burn by getting angelic onion and then going outside. So, but it encourages Ooh. that work-life balance. Angelica is very pointedly making sure that you take as much care of yourself as you need to, but we're not overindulging. It doesn't um, go off the, off the little chart there. The thing is, yeah. people are like, oh, I, I feel lazy if I don't do X, Y, and Z. Laziness does not exist. You, are, you take the rest that you need. You do the work that you need. Laziness does, should not ever enter the, the realm of work because it doesn't exist. Our livelihoods really depend on being liked and being seen as approachable, getting your work done, rather than being a quote-unquote problem. So Angelica will definitely help that not just our own feelings of are we doing right, are we doing enough, but helping others perceive you as having done the right thing, This the the, going the extra mile. And yeah. the Angelica also grounds really frantic energy. So it's a great place to start your magical aromatherapy journey. 
um, you can just grab um, two cups of table salt. Put 10 to 15 drops of your essential oil that you're looking to work with. Like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying working with Angelica for it, but it's a very earthy smell. So you might put a drop of lemon or even uh, Mei Cheng, uh, let's say a Cubeva, into that blend to just brighten it up, lift that energy a little bit, and just keep uh, maybe a quarter of a cup in a, in a cup on your desk. It'll scent the air just enough for you to keep the energy moving in a positive uh, direction. You can add more when it starts to smell a little less. And it's so easy. You can just add a drop of oil when the two cups is filled your cup. It's very cheap and very easy to work with. If you can't, if you absolutely can't do it as a diffuser, they actually make little nasal inhalers. Um, they started using them with vapor rub. So it's a plastic tube that looks yeah. kind of, sort of like a lip balm, and it puts a long, thin piece of cotton in it. You can put five, ten drops of Angelica in there, take the lid off, give it a smell, help ground the anxiety or fear or frantic energy, take a nice deep breath, and then move on with your day. You can just keep it in your pocket, and no one else has to know that it even exists. That's neat. Do you think I could get away with doing that with like an empty lip balm or an empty lipstick that I could just like absolutely stick? Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> grab a tampon, open it up, unroll it. Um, oh, you can actually yeah. make it a little C shape and tuck it into a, an empty lip balm tube. And you don't have to wait to oh, empty wow. one because they sell empty lip balm tubes at the craft store um, in the candle section. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, my God, just don't use the tampon later. I'm just saying. Burn, burn, burn. <laughs> Not good. Be careful. No, seriously, yeah, if you I'm don't, forgetful. If you... And I'll stick some, I will stick something in my purse, and I will forget what it was for. Please label your stuff. Don't do stupid shit like I do, because I'm a moron. But it is just like me to, like, you know, because how, how many people sit there and sniff an open tampon? Not many, but Dum Dum here <laughs> is just the type of moron to stick something in the purse that was used for one thing and try to use it for something else. I don't know if it's thrifty. I don't know if it's just stupid. Just don't do it. But, yeah. No, the, the idea of using, well, seriously, I mean, I've done strange shit. But we're not going to go into that right now. Um, <laughs> but in all honesty, I think the idea of fragrance, because fragrance does so much to the brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it can completely change your mood. It can, you know, bring back wonderful memories. It can sometimes create new beautiful memories. I mean, the idea of, of using natural flower essences for all kinds of things has been an old tradition, hasn't it? Oh, yes. Because we realized very quickly, very early on, that scent triggers memory because you actually have to, once you experience the scent, once it goes up your nose and it's um, even through the back of your mouth, when we take those particles in, your brain is going through a little Rolodex of the scents you've encountered over your life. But it looks more like... Um, a box of paper for an office, and every day you're putting another piece of paper into that box with all the different things you smelled that day on it. So when you smell something, yeah. you're going through that box until the most recent time you smelled it, not the first time, because by then it's a copy of a copy of a copy. So by experiencing it and going, oh, hey, I smelled that last Tuesday, that's um, vanilla essential oil. Mm. It's a lot more reliable than trying to go, Oh, when I was three days old, I smelled something that smelled like nacho cheese, but it was not. It's going to take you longer <laughs> to get there because there's a lot more paper to go through. So if you sure. can smell something, uh, my, my first example is the first time I smelled a bottle of benzoin resin um, oil, I was immediately transported to uh, a place in Baltimore County where I had spent some time growing up. In the summers, we would walk to the library get a bunch of books, maybe a movie or two, and we'd walk home because that was free entertainment for us kids. But if we were really good, after, the, after we left the library, we would stop and get snowballs. 
uh, shaved ice, whatever you call them, where, where you are, <laughs> was the best thing. I would get mm-hmm. these um, egg custard snowballs. So it was creamy and rich and sweet. Oh. And opening this bottle of benzoin resin, that was the first thing I thought of was the, the egg custard snowballs when I was a kid with marshmallow cream on them. Our memory is going through that box to identify it, but you have to go through your memories to get there. So it's going to trigger your memories more quickly than you can identify it just for that reason, because you have to go through that piece of paper to find that lavender. The best part about that is it allows us, if there's been a history of trauma, especially relating to one scent that produces disfavorable events, if it's a traumatic smell, it's much easier to write over that memory. Um, and it's, it's something that we can do as practitioners or you can do even with a therapist. It's a, a very gentle form of exposure therapy. You can associate new memories with that smell and sort of overwrite the old trauma because at that point it's a, it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. So any, anyone who has had something mimeographed, <laughs> you know that little transparency that you had to copy, you copy it so many times it starts to drift until it's a big smear. We're just smearing that memory on purpose. Hmm. That's good. I didn't know that could be done. I always imagined that that fragrance, once you had a specific memory to it, it was there forever. I didn't realize you could actually consciously change it. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. I need to think more about that. (laughs) Because there's a lot of things I would (laughs) like to change. So I think... That's, that's really good information because I have a lot of memories that I would like to kind of change, like certain fragrances, certain perfumes, especially certain mm-hmm. male perfumes or colognes oh, yeah. rather that have a negative effect on me for whatever reason, lots of reasons, um, to be able to change that. Um, let me ask you this, as, as long as we're on the idea of, of scent and fragrance, um, is it possible to change a perceptive emotion by applying this fragrance to someone else? Absolutely. What happens is your oh. brain is lighting up with all these happy chemicals when you're looking at that person. So by exposing yourself to that scent when you're happy, when you're joyful, when you're um, with a specific person that makes you feel strong or happy or safe or centered, you're rewriting over that memory, just like a, an old cassette tape. You're, you're writing over that experience. And the more often you do it and the more regularly you experience it, the more, the more strongly the new memory is associated with that thing. Wow. That is so fucking cool. Holy shit. I never <laughs> thought about that. that. No, that's really cool, you know, because, you know, you have a lifetime of memories of certain things, you know, how grandma's house smelled or how, you know, your best friend's house smelled or, or you know, like the smell of beer at a concert for me is a very happy thing. I don't drink mm-hmm. beer, but the smell of it at a concert just reminds me of all of these happy, happy times. So that I always thought memories were locked in to a certain thing, a certain, you know, experience. I didn't realize this whole overriding uh, the experience thing is really cool. I'm so happy. I'm going to experiment with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the thing. People don't recognize that it's possible because they they write it off when it happens. Uh, For example, we are much more likely to remember overwriting a memory when it's associated with a negative experience. And the one that's mm-hmm. uh, quasi-universally understood is uh, an alcohol. When people are enjoying their, their late teens, early 20s, and they overindulge mm-hmm. in a specific alcohol, they can remember that specific date because their body said, oh, hey, guess what? You almost died. Let's not do that again. So 30 years later, you you smell that brand of tequila you overindulged in, uh, when you were 22, guess what? Your brain's going to say, oh, hey, remember that time we almost died? We're not doing that again. And you feel physically ill smelling something that's, you know, theoretically neutral. 
um, when you smell that brand of wow. tequila, your brain says, oh, hey, hey, guess what? So people take it for granted that that's possible in the negative way. So when it's presented to them as something that can be a positive thing, they're like, oh, hey, you know, I, I never even thought about it that way. But it's, it's a little easier to do it the good way um, cognitively. Wow. That, you know, it's funny that you brought up specifically alcohol because one of the smells that I cannot deal with is black licorice. Now, I wasn't always this way. When I was about 20, it was April, I was 21, I was at a bar. See, I remember the month and everything because of this experience. <laughs> My friends and I, yep. we were at a bar. The, the bartender kept draw, drawing shots of Pernod. And Pernod is very licorice. I mean, it's hard, hard licorice liqueur. And it's, I'm telling you, you could, I mean, I must have had eight, nine in a row. I turned, I, and I was standing the whole time. I turned around, <laughs> I walked, I proceeded to walk out of the bar, um, went over to a blue car. I even remember the shade of the car. The car was blue. <laughs> I leaned over the side and out everything I had ingested for three weeks. I mean, it was that, I was that fucked up. And I'm like, if I get out of this alive, you know, everybody's done this. If I get out of this alive, I will never do this to myself again. Now, here's the thing. I did not drink Uzo. I did not drink Pernod. I didn't drink anything that had any kind of licorice flavor ever again. Now the fragrance or the smell of black licorice still makes me horrifically sick <laughs> yep. to this day. Holy shit. But you know what? It was a good lesson. I'm not changing my theory on black licorice. We're going to leave it alone. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I can't. I can't. I, I have a gag reflex when I even taste something that has it inside of it. So I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. no, we're not doing this again. <laughs> oh, shit. That's so true. Wow. I learned something. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my my father is an alcoholic, um, and he his his drink of choice was Jägermeister, and he he drank probably a, a liter bottle by itself on a weekend day, and so damn he was yeah he was that was whew. he would eat all the black jelly beans in our Easter baskets. He had all he wanted all the black licorice because he was so yeah. craving of that flavor from the Jägermeister. He would he would just buy black licorice candy in, you know, August, so he could have that bit of his brain st stimulated. During the week, it was wow. um, Beck's Dark beer. So, yeah, the smell of Beck's Dark cannot, cannot handle it. I don't even drink, you know, with all the uh, medications that I'm on. It's just the smell of especially, like, the dark German beer. My brain just goes, okay, mm -hmm. no thank you. <laughs> I get it. You know, I don't drink anymore. I mean, what I did in my youth was enough to convince me that maybe it's not such a good idea for me. It's not my speed. Yeah. So, I, you know, I stopped. But, you know, there's certain alcohol types that when I come in contact with somebody who has like a glass of something, some of the memories are super fond. Some of them are super mm -hmm. not, like, you know, my Pernod story. But, you know, like the beer story. Yeah, when I smell beer at a concert, I'm happy as a clam. I think it's, I, it just brings back so many great memories. But, sure, things from childhood, woo! Well, my, father, my father's drinks of choice were gin and tonic and rum and coke. And any time I get near tonic water to this day, I can't handle it. I just can't handle the smell. I, I can't taste it. It's just... I get mm -hmm. sick to my stomach because my father was my abuser, uh, my mm -hmm. first abuser. But, yeah, so, I mean, there's certain things I identify with my, with my father who drank probably at least a drink every night to relax, quote, unquote, after work. Yeah. My father was actually, you know, he was bipolar and, and OCD before those things were actually diagnosed back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and he really did need to be on, you know, medications that would help him deal with that but 
Yeah, instead we had a closet full of two and alls and second alls and blood pressure meds and all kinds of crazy shit. It wasn't just physical, though. He had mental issues that they did not address. But fortunately, we're not back there anymore, and we're getting the help we need now, I hope. I hope anybody who is in need of meds is getting them and is seeking whatever help you need. This has been a really fucked up time. The times are continuing to be fucked up with what's going on in our country. I'm just, like, astounded at how many things are changing and reverting, and it's really frightening to me. You know, not that I'm going to have to experience pretty much any of it, but it scares me that the country I knew seems to be going away. What's your your take on, on what's happening? With the more people who are able to consciously talk about going to therapy and getting help and I'm, I love that more people are giving themselves permission to make sure that they're taking care of their mental health. Um, I wish it, yeah. there was more access in this country. Um, I went without a mm-hmm. lot of things for a long time because I had no health insurance. But I will tell you, there are so many avenues for uh, victims of trauma to have free therapeutic counseling. Uh, I was able to avail myself of some after an an issue a couple of years ago and the, uh, one of the local outreach lines had given me the information for free therapy. There's no insurance, no copay, no um, outside records for someone to subpoena later. Um, I was able to take care of the things that I really needed and uh, gave me the security that I thought going forward. And, it really gave me some of the tools that I didn't think that I was going to be able to find within myself. So it was incredibly important that I was able to access that care for free. I, I wasn't working. I didn't have health insurance. Um, but this specific trauma was such that it was really impacting other areas of my life. So I was thrilled to be able to avail myself of some um, free counseling services because otherwise I, uh, it, was, it was difficult. <laughs> to deal with that. So I love that there are more avenues that are free or reduced cost or especially teletherapy um, getting more popular during the pandemic. Before then it was, it was like pulling teeth to try and find someone who could do teletherapy. Um, But now just about everyone is doing it and it's so much more comfortable. I can go in the podcast studio. I can talk to my therapist for an hour and then go about my day without having to carve out so much more energy to, get showered and get dressed and get in the car and turn it on and go to the therapist's office and sit there for an hour and then figure out how to get home. It's just a lot easier um, as someone who deals with uh, chronic pain and chronic illness to not worry that I won't be able to get there just because I couldn't sleep the night before. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. With women's health care now being in question and certain rights, you know, perhaps being on the on the chopping block, as it were, do you think there's a time where people who are like us who actively have therapy, I have medications that I take, do you think we're moving in such a hard direction that people are going to stop talking about getting therapy? Do you think that, that the government, future governments, will try to make it more difficult to have access? Absolutely, because reasonable humans who are able to take care of themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually have fewer needs. They're they're able to take care of themselves and find the solutions that work for themselves. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. people who are happy and healthy and able to take care of themselves don't need a bunch of stuff from outside sources. Um, they, They pride themselves on being more resilient. And that's also a trauma response, just so we are clear. Um, hyper-independence is yeah. definitely a trauma response. Um, so it it yeah. really stands to reason that a number of things that give women, especially uh, them presenting people, the self-awareness and the self-possession to make sure that their needs are, are taken care of, that's dangerous for somebody who wants to be dependent upon. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You know, some people are like, oh, Raina, you're making such a stretch. It's such a leap. I'm like, no, it's not a fucking leap. All things are on the table. 
people are not understanding just what is at stake here. You know, it's not yeah. just about it's not just about abortions. It's about do you have the autonomy? You know, folks forget. It wasn't until the early 70s that women could have their own bank account. I don't understand why people don't realize this is not a million years ago. Things that start reverting backwards, you don't know where they're going to stop. They could just keep going and going and going, take away women's votes, you know, take away the rights of, of people of color, of people of gender or no gender. I mean, whoever, whoever they decide is a target. My feeling is we're all targets, to be honest with you. I don't think it's that yep. big a jump to ask a question like this. So thank you for answering my question. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. But um, on to a happier thing. We are going to be da, 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 at Mystic South Conference in July. We hope you come and visit us. Ms. Blackthorn is going to be with me. And we're going to have the live show, and we're going to, I'm going to have my posse with me. I've got all my friends coming to hang, and we're going to have a great time. We're going to do the live show on that Friday night. We hope you come and join us in the beautiful city of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and it's going to be a great time. So check out mysticsouthconference.com, and you'll go to the link, and you'll be able to register and see who's coming and what's going on. It's going to be a good time. So, Amy, you're, as I said, you're going to be there. We're going to get, you know, we're going to have <laughs> our friends with us. We're going to be hanging out. Um, what are your classes? What, do you, what workshops are you giving this year? Oh, I'm super excited. So when I, when I start writing a book, when I sort of get myself in the frame of mind, the first thing I do is I write out the outline of what I want to go in the book, and then I teach a class on it because it gives me the feedback from people who are taking the class. You know, if I, if I skipped over something they thought was, you know, really um, integral to their understanding of the situation, you know, when, you're, when you've been doing something for, you know, 25 years, you skip over the, the little steps that in your head are given. It's not a given when you're new. So it really gives me the opportunity. So I had written this class for, uh, for Mystic South and really excited about it. And it was actually the book that became Blackbird's Botanical Wellness. We're just moving in reverse this year. <laughs> so Botanical Wellness will be out November 1st, but the class that is working on it, the class that is driving it, will actually be uh, one of the two classes that I'm doing. Both of my classes are um, 9 or 9.30 in the morning on Friday and Saturday. So one is yeah. Protection magic based on Blackthorn's protection magic. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some fun visuals. We're gonna. We're gonna. Um, I'm gonna ask somebody to wrap me up in duct tape, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we're. It's. It's gonna be a good time. We haven't done it in years because of pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm really. I'm interested to see how it's going to go. You know, the conference does require that you bring a proof of vaccination. That's going to be mm -hmm. important. And masking is also going to be important. So I just, I, I, ask, I ask my guests politely, so what do you think? Will you be able to, you know, stick with it as far as doing the whole masking thing? So I wanted your opinion. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to talk about this. So I am on a, a very specific and nasty cancer drug um i'm not i do not have cancer this is for a, a separate autoimmune disorder um but this the job of this drug is to kill my immune system so it stops killing me so i'm not even supposed to go to events <laughs> so i will be i'll be wearing uh, an n95 and probably something cloth over that uh or uh, maybe two you know softer style masks I will I will be masked for a masked friend and then probably more masks. <laughs> so uh, I will I've got you know two or three people on my list who who definitely need a hug, but I I'll be as distant and pleasant and joyful as I can be wearing <laughs> two masks and making sure that I don't get sick. Oh no, absolutely. Um, I, I've I've read that you know a presenter presenting obviously 
can be distant enough and, and not have to wear a mask during the presentation. But I think, um, you know, in, and I think hugs are great. You know, those of us who, who want to be fully vaxxed, which my whole family is because I'm immunocompromised. So and mm -hmm. since Mark just had the big accident, she's immunocompromised. So everybody around us is like, okay, we're doing all the boosters and all the vaccinations and we're wearing the masks and we're doing the things. And I'm like, great. That's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're totally looking forward to, you know, seeing everybody, getting our hugs in. So excited to get hugs <laughs> in. I haven't hugged anybody but my immediate family in years. It's going to be so weird hugging people again, don't you think? Yes, I'm considering bringing a squirt bottle for people who um, expect hugs who are not granted consent for hugs. <laughs> We're like, oh, hey, no, nope. yeah, bad cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there, there's. It's funny because I bought some buttons that say, "Hug me, I'm vaccinated," because I'm going to be wearing my proof of vaccination. So if somebody's like, "Well, you're vaccinated," what about boosters? And you know, it's going to be right there. Because it's the same size as my as as our badges, our name badges. So I'm gonna somehow try to figure out how to loop them together. So like when you see my name, you can see my list of vaccines and and my boosters. <laughs> kind of like a puppy tag. We should have puppy tags. Oh my gosh, what a fun <laughs> idea. I'm trying to make this as much fun an experience as possible. But I would love my own dog tags that say. She's had this and this and this and this and this. Um, but, yeah, it's still going to be a great time. And I, I think folks should be able to say no to hugs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say maybe get a, a, a button that says with permission only or, you know, not right now or happy to see you, don't want to hug right now, you know, something like that. Because I'm sure a lot of folks I are going to have concerns. I miss the, the um, red, yellow, green system that Pantheon did with their badges. Uh, they, they had the different color flags for, you know, green, yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> they had a red one that says no touchy. So, of course, I had the no touchy yeah. badge on mine. And, you know, yellow yeah. was with consent. So I, I miss doing things like that and having those available for people who are interested in it. Not they want to be rude, uh, but there are people who right. think that their their overjoyous feeling of the subject overrides someone's bodily consent, and that's not a thing. Yeah, I, that's kind of why, you know, for me, I'm, I'm cool with it. So I that's why I've, I've got a button that says, "Hug me, I'm vaccinated," and somebody can say, mm -hmm. "Yeah, you're nate to that." I'm giving you know everybody their their autonomy and right to say nope, don't want to, or yep, going to, you know. I, I just feel like we have to be so respectful of each, of each other's mm -hmm. physical space in addition to mental space. I mean, this has been such a learning experience about mental space and the things that can really trip you up during an isolation of sorts. You know, it, it brings up so many things that I never thought about, which is why I'm in therapy now. But it's been great. I mean, you know, listen, I'm over 60. It's better late than never. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, why are you bothering now? Shit, you know, you're almost at the end of the ride, bitch. What the fuck are you doing this for? And it's like, because I want to enjoy it, enjoy it all the way out. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I could have, listen, I was in therapy all through college. I was in therapy during my second marriage. I was in I mean, I've been in therapy for 9,000 different things at different times throughout my life. But I didn't think I needed therapy now. No, I fucking do. <laughs> and if I do, a whole bunch of you bitches do too. I'm just saying. We all have something we're struggling with. Let's fucking get the help. Why not? It's out there. You know, we're not going to be stigmatized anymore. I remember the days of the stigma. Trust me. You know, anybody who's going to give you shit, for getting the help you need, fuck those people. You don't need those people in your life anyway, so screw that bullshit. Get the help you need. Fucking enjoy the ride. The ride is short enough. Grab everything yeah. out of it you can. 
right? I mean, am I bullshitting here, Especially, or does this make sense? No, no, no. You're not 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 pulling the legs. The understanding is, especially now with there's so many apps that are looking to bring uh, therapeutic relief to all different parts of the country, you can have a phone, you have a connection to someone who can get help for you. They're, you know, even the, yeah. the, the better helps and the whatever the app is called something else, having the ability to find a provider, find someone at a reasonable price and get the help you need is literally life-changing. It is. We don't really understand that most of our personalities are just a cobbled together group of trauma responses. Like, I want to know who I am outside of those responses. I want to know who I can be without that person looming over me. Isn't that the truth? I am just a series of shifts that happened to me. And I hate that idea. I hate that every fucked up thing that ever happened from birth on that, that that's all this is? No, this is not all it is. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff to still do. There's still a lot of great times to be had. We, we can get through it, it. But if you need help, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Get the help. It is out there. If it, it you know if it's something where you're worried about money, there are free services available, you know, if you're in a situation where you can't afford it or you've got the right insurance. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask. Just ask. If people can help you, they they want to help, you know. I mean, it's, it's a lot less difficult than it was, you know. It used to be you'd have to, like, go through 9,000 people and see if you were compatible with your therapist and, you had to go the same time every week because you had to stay on a schedule. And this is so different. I mean, telehealth and tele-wellness, mental health, um, are really making huge strides in fitting into your schedule. I did therapy at 6 a.m. before work, you know. I, I meet with a prescriber, a totally separate appointment, at a totally different day of the week, at a totally different time. And it doesn't have to be regimented to a specific, you know, 30 days or whatever. You can, you can gear it to your life so that it's convenient and not interrupting work or children or whatever it is you've got going on. So it's a lot more fluid than it used to be. Right? When we're, when, yeah, absolutely. When we're connecting with our ideas with what we want to look like, what we, who we want to be, who we want to project, when we figure out that it's really this, this cobbled together with uh, duct tape and, and bailing wire, yeah. it's because that stuff <laughs> saved us, because that stuff worked at one point. So our brain says, well, hey, if it works that one time, maybe it'll work this time. And instead of living from a, a holistic truth of who you are and pushing that forward, we're just sort of like, oh, uh, you know, this this may have worked one time. Let's let's try this as a crapshoot. I would rather lead from the experience of who I want to be than having a crapshoot every day. <laughs> I know. No, I totally agree with, and I say that about a lot of things. It's just a crapshoot. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think even if you have a basis that is from trauma, um, that you know. Listen, there are reasons why we have trauma responses. There's, you know, sometimes they're self-protective. Sometimes they're, you know, to keep certain people out of our lives, you know, certain things that we employ, like, you know, negative responses to certain people. Um, and I think sometimes that's very helpful, but that, that isn't the sum and total of who you are. And, you know, I mean, I'm still figuring out who I am oh, these many years later. Uh, and I don't know that it's something you ever have the complete answer to. I think part of the human experience is the fact that we are constantly in creation and recreation and trying to, you know, grasp the meaning for ourselves in some way. Absolutely. Like, why am I here? I'm here because... because if I wasn't here, some other bitch be doing what I'm doing right now, and she might not be as funny. <laughs> what can I tell you? I don't know. Listen, it's fun. I mean, 
sad a lot, which is why I'm in therapy. But I'm not <laughs> sad so much that I can't live my life. I mean, I generally have a good outlook, even when shit's fucking me up. I'm just very honest about what's fucking me up because I know if I'm being fucked up, other people are being fucked up too. I am not unique. Not at all. There ain't nothing special happening here. Forget your help, you know. And come see us at Mystic South. Shit, we're going to have such a good time. It is the 13th through the 5th. No, it's the 15th, 16th, and 17th, I believe, of July. And we will be at the Crown Plaza, Crown Point Plaza at Ravinia in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And we're going to have such a good time. Get your tickets. If you can, get your tickets and book a room. It is going to be a blast. I'm going to be there. Amy's going to be there. We have a whole bunch of our friends that are going to be there. It's just seriously <laughs> going to be a good time. So, Amy, before we go, because, of course, yeah. I've talked your ear off like I always do, <laughs> um, tell, folks, tell folks where they can buy your books and your tea and your stuff and where they can find you and all of the good information. So the first thing I always say is check out amyblackford.com because the first 30 or so pages of each one of my books is there for free to download. I want you to know you love and are totally on point with where I'm going with these things before you buy them because money is very scarce at this point. Um, it's, it's a lot more restrictive. So I want, to, I want you to know you want this when you buy it. Uh, to buy it, you can just click on... Uh, blackburnsbotanicals.com uh, there's a link right on, right from amyblackburn.com it'll take you to my tea shop where you can order autographed books you can order teas to drink while you read your books there's some yep. magical oils that are available that the recipes you can find in blackburn's botanical magic so if there's harder to find ingredients and things that might be a little bit more technically uh, driven people can purchase those oils directly uh, because when we're looking at this stuff, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So you might not have the ability yeah. to find Oak Moth Absolute. So you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Blackthorn Author. Uh, Facebook is also Amy Blackthorn Author. And then I have TikTok where I'm just goofing off and talking about, the, you know, the herbal dating game. We talk about different plants that we like. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a, it's supposed to be fun. So come in, hang out, get some tea to enjoy yourself while you're reading your books. And then Blackthorns Botanical Wellness is up for pre-order wherever you, wherever fine books are sold. So head to your local witchy shops, uh, local bookstores, and pre-order it for me. I really appreciate it. It's also available on Indie Bound and bookshop.org and the major retailers as well. So you can, you can get that pre-order in. I, only, I put them up on blackthornsbotanicals.com when I get my author copies. So about a month mm-hmm. or two weeks to a month before the book comes out, you'll see the, the sale copies go up on uh, blackburnsbotanicals.com. So Yay. I just appreciate getting to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can't wait till we're doing it in person and live and everything. And I also want to say, um, don't forget about Blackthorn's Protection Magic and everything that Amy has already written because these books are so amazing. And I have to say, so far, Protection Magic, because I don't have the new one yet. Protection Magic is my favorite today. Can't imagine why. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new one. Can't wait to get my hands on it. Can't wait to talk about Chernobyl. We're going to have to do that in Atlanta. Because <laughs> I apparently talked too much today to get it in there. But, anyway, Amy, I love you so much. I cannot wait to see you. Thank you for coming on and hanging out with me. And thank you, because I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to giving me a big old smoosh. Yes, I need a smoosh. Oh, my God, I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will talk to you over the weekend. Thank you again. I will talk to you soon. Bye, sweetheart. Bye, baby. All right, everybody. I will be back tomorrow with Tomas Prower. Cannot wait. I'm so excited for that one, too. Until then, have a great evening. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 